ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय So we are discussing uh, Canto 6, Prescribed Duties for Mankind, Chapter 9, Appearance of the Demon Bhutrasura, Text uh, 8. I think uh, we will try to cover 8, 9, 10 and 11. So 8, Turiyam Cheda Virohena. Of them, 
by the liquid oozing from the trees. Brahma Hatya, the reaction for killing a Brahmana. Pratrishyate is visible. In return for Indra's benediction that their branches and twigs would grow back when trimmed, the trees accepted one fourth of the reactions for killing a Brahmana. These reactions are visible in the flowing of sap from trees. Therefore, one is forbidden to drink this. Sorry, you should decide. Yeah. Continue. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there is no purport for uh, this verse. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Salakaya Chakshurun Vinitam Yena Tasmai Sri Guru Venamaha Sri Chaitanya Manobhistam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupatada Mahyam Dhanati Svapadatikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Unvaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Saprajatam Saganaragunatanvikam Tamsajeevam Sadvaitam Savadotam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sarganaralita Sri Vishakamitamscha Mukam Karoti Vachalam Pangam Langayate Gurunyat Kupakam Hamvande Paramananda Madhavam The Supreme Personality of Godhead has the form of Satchitananda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him who turned the dumb into eloquent speakers and enabled the lame to cross mountains. Such is the mercy of the Lord. Hey Krishna Karna Sindhuri Nakandhuri Gatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostate Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindhavaneshwari Vrishabhana Sate Devi Pranamami Hari Priye So 6.88 and this side once again the translation, so repeat. Uh, in return for Indra's benediction that the branches and twigs would grow back when trimmed, the trees accepted one-fourth of the reactions for killing a Brahmana. These reactions are visible in the flowing of sap from trees. Therefore, one is forbidden to drink this sap. Nine. Shashvat Kama Vare Namaha Has Turiyam Jagritu Sriyada Rajo Rupena Taspamo Masimasi Pradrishyate In return for Indra's benediction that they would be able to enjoy lusty desires continuously even during pregnancy for as long as sex is not injurious to the embryo women accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions. As a result of those reactions, women manifest the signs of menstruation every month. Women as a class are very lusty. 
and apparently their continuous lusty desires are never satisfied. In return for Lord Indra's benediction, that there will be no cessation to their lusty desires, women accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions for killing a Brahmana. 10. Dravyaguhyo varena parasturiyam jagrikurmalam tasu budbuda penabhyam dristanta dharati shipan and return for kings for King Indra's benediction that water would increase the volume of other substances with which it was mixed. Water accepted one-fourth of the sinful reactions. Therefore, there are bubbles and foam in water. When one collects water, these should be avoided. If water is mixed with milk, fruit juice or other similar substances, it increases their volume and no one can understand which has increased. In return for this benediction, water accepted one-fourth of Indra's sinful reactions. These sinful reactions are visible in foam and bubbles. Therefore, one should avoid foam and bubbles when collecting drinking water. 11. Hataputras tatasvasta juhavendraya satrave indrashatro vivartasva machiram jahi vidvisham After Vishwarupa was killed, his father Thvasta performed ritualistic ceremonies to kill Indra. He offered oblations in the sacrificial fire, saying, O enemy of Indra, flourish to kill your enemy without delay. There was some defect in Thvasta's chanting of the mantra because he chanted it long instead of short, and therefore the meaning changed. Thvasta intended to chant the word Indra-shakro, meaning O enemy of Indra, in this mantra, the word Indra is in the possessive case and the word Indra-shatra is called Tatpurusha compound or Tatpurusha Samasa. Unfortunately, instead of chanting the mantra short, Tvasta chanted it long and its meaning changed from the enemy of Indra to Indra who is an enemy. Consequently, Instead of an enemy of Indra's, there emerged the body of Uttrasara, of whom Indra was the enemy. So we find that in verse we start uh, 9.8, that giving a brief background, Indra, he committed a great blunder out of pride to his Guru Brahaspati and as a result of that he lost his kingdom. And then uh, he prays to Lord uh, and then there is a guidance given to him that you take the help of Vishwarupa who can be a priest and through uh, whatever oblations he offers so that you can uh, get back to your kingdom. But in the process, because Vishwarupa had from his mother's side uh, demonic relationship or with relation with the demons, sorry, relation with the demons, 
he was not only offering oblations to the devata but he was also offering silently oblations to the demon because he is related to them as well as a result indra became furious and then he committed even a greater offense to the brahmana by killing vishwarupa and as a consequence vishwarupa had three heads and then uh, he had to repent and for he repented i think for one year but then uh, still for purification whatever was the left out sins he had to part with it and then in return he was promising some benediction and so therefore we find in 9.8 in return for indra's benediction that the trees uh, uh, they accepted these sins a portion of the sin uh, so that they get the benediction of when the tree is trimmed uh, then they can grow once again and these reactions are visible in the flowing of sap uh, from uh, trees so i i was thinking why this sap uh, has anyone seen the sap from a tree you just go to the tree and you find the sap and in in andhra we call kallu or in english we call toddy so there's a palm tree and then uh, they cut this uh, the i think the bottom of the flower stem and from that oozes the sap and it is said that when you drink that sap uh, it's very tasty <laughs> but it's allowed to be fermented for a couple of hours or even overnight then it bubbles up it ferments and that becomes i believe further tastier and that they drink it so therefore we can see that uh, shastra says don't drink sap or don't take sap and here people uh, they become intoxicated by taking uh, that sap but it's also interesting that the sap producing trees include sugar maple black maple red maple silver maple and so on and i was wondering sugar maple we use in the kitchen and how is it related to this sap i did not have time to further go through but then uh, the sap which is produced from uh, the sugar maple tree it is concentrated and i was wondering that's what we use in the kitchen uh, as one of the ingredients for uh, as a sweetener and so yeah that is the uh, the tree part then comes the next verse 9 in return for indra's uh, benediction that they will be able to enjoy lusty desires continuously even during pregnancy for as long as sex is not injurious to the embryo woman accepted one fourth of the sinful reaction as a result of those reactions woman manifests the signs of menstruation every month so therefore it is uh, continuous desire Krishna Chakravarti Thakur says mean that even after much sexual enjoyment the woman does not think she has had enough and so that's the desire i'm not sure to which woman which class or what time this was offered but then that's the benediction uh, the woman have taken and in return uh, there's an exchange in the sense that they need to undergo the monthly cycle 
So, what it tells us is that in the material world, there is nothing like a freebie. There is nothing like free you get it. For everything there is a trade-off. So if you are earning money, you are trading your time. If you are doing some other activity, you are trading something else. So when we think that, oh, somebody is giving in, in newspapers, in websites, you find uh, this is being given free to you, but actually uh, there is nothing free to us and we need, if you read the fine print, something else is tagged up to that and we need to pay for it. And that's what we find in the first two verses uh, that the, uh, both the trees and the women had traded uh, a part of it and therefore they had to bear the consequences. Then 10. And return for King Indra's benediction that water would increase the volume of other substances with which it was mixed. Water accepted one for the sinful reactions. Therefore, there are bubbles and foam in water. When one collects water, these should be avoided. And from the chemistry perspective, we know that water is considered to be a universal solvent. Any substance you can put in water, by and large, some particle of that can be dissolved in water. And it says that one collects water, this should be avoided. And this takes me back to my uh, childhood days when uh, in my native place called Mankini, uh, it's about 150 kilometers from Hyderabad, uh, there was no uh, pipeline for water, nor there was electricity at that time. Uh, so the, the way we used to lit our uh, homes in the night time was using uh, the lantern and not even the gas lantern, it used to be a kerosene lantern. So you pour kerosene and then pump it and that's how you find it used to light. And that was also expensive, so therefore we had simple lanterns, you pour uh, kerosene to that and you lit the wick. And that gives you a very dim light and in this, that dim light we would spend our evenings. I'm not sure if any of your kids have seen those uh, lanterns and have experienced uh, that part of your life. But that's how I have seen. And then for water, we did not have any pipeline. Although Mantan is in the bank of river Godavari, at that time, uh, no pipeline was laid. And there was uh, a pond uh, called Wagu. So that Wagu was about uh, two kilometers from where our place was. I used to walk with my uh, cousins because I grew up very apart in Hyderabad, but during holidays, other times I would go to my village. So there, I would accompany my cousins, and they carry those vessel, big vessels on their head. It's typical brass vessel, one over the other, and there are experts who can keep three, four uh, vessels on the head, and then one, two on both the hands, and they can walk. So we wonder: is it really possible, or it's only? Uh, in pictures we see, but I've experienced this with my cousins. They would walk, we would walk to the, uh, that place called Wagu, and then you have the steps. You need to get down the steps, and then reach the pit of sand, and then you dig the uh, sand at a depth of one and a half foot or two feet, uh, you find the water would come. 
and now i recall that that time when the water come the initial part of the water is never collected because the initial water part of the water as it oozes uh, from the uh, sand uh, you find that it is full of bubbles so they uh, carefully with the tumbler they are carrying they separate that water and the bubbles subside down and then you can imagine with a small glass even as small as this glass or even smaller than this glass they would uh, dip it in the pit of water and it's naturally filtered because the water is coming from the sand and then collected into the brass vessel so four vessels or five vessels keep it on their head and then climb up the steps and then come down and then walk the 2 kilometers to reach home and that was the water we used to use for drinking purposes so now i recall i am not sure why in those days cousins would not collect the bubbles uh, but here we find that the bubbles should not be collected uh, because it is uh, it is a reaction for the sin and that should be avoided but equally interesting today morning i was trying to collect water in the vessel for preparing kitchen uh, then as the water comes with a pressure you find lot of bubbles come in the uh, vessel i'm not sure if anyone has experienced that so then after reading this i said let me wait let the water settle down uh, let the bubble settle down and then only i'll place it on the flame so this is a small change i have to make after reading this <coughs> purport of the translation maybe next time when you especially mata jis when you are cooking and here the water when you open it comes with lot of pressure and then when the vessel you find that it it forms up it bubbles come up so maybe you should be careful uh, when you collect this water then comes 11 After Rishasra was killed, his father Thwasta performed ritualistic ceremonies to kill Indra. He offered oblations in the sacrificial fire, saying, "O enemy of Indra, flourish to kill your enemy uh, without delay." So, commenting on this, Vishnu Chakra Thakur says, "Indra became free of the sin after one year at the beginning of Ashwina month." leaving the forest where he performed austerities he began to observe the ceremonies of that month twasta hearing of the death of his son out of anger and grief produced a means of killing indra his intention was to kill the enemy indra thus he prayed for increase of strength of the enemy of indra so thus he prayed for increase of strength of the enemy of indra because he considered indra as the enemy so enemy of indra if he can produce a demon so he should be very powerful so that that person or that demon could kill indra however the same words can be taken to mean increase the strength of indra the enemy so there are it's a pun the way you uh, you recite could alter the meaning so increase instead of saying that increase the strength of the enemy of indra he says increase the strength of indra the enemy thus the meaning is opposite and the word indra comes from the root id which means great power according to its group it should have a high intonation intonation is the way up and down when you are reciting 
However, according to some rules, Samasicha, the word occurs in a compound and accent should come on the last word. So, uh, it means Indra Shatruhu, the word Indra should have a low intonation. It means enemy of Indra. So, when you say Indra Shatruhu, you say Indra Shatruhu. Maybe instead of that, he would have said Indra Shatru. So, intonation has changed and with that change of intonation, instead of making the, uh, the demon as powerful, Indra becomes powerful. So, if the word Indra has an accent in this compound, Indra the enemy, this is according to some uh, grammar. So, the first up around the phrase with the accent on the word Indra, Indra, and thus the meaning sentence became, May the strength of Indra, the enemy, increase. Indra became the killer of his enemies. It is said in the teachings, Mantrahina Swarato Varnatova Mitya Prayukto Natam Artam Aha Etendraksharha Swarto Paradhaksa Vagvajro Ejamanam Hinasti. A mantra devoid of proper intonation, ups and downs, and pronunciation with improper use does not fulfill its purpose. Thus by saying envy of Indra improperly, the thunderbolt of the words kills the priest because of his offense. So we find that if we look at the four verses as a big picture, it's trying to talk something about the uh, within the modes or it's trying to talk about the piety and impiety of this material world. It's talking about the piety and impiety of this material world. And the, the piety and impiety of the material world, it depends on what we do in our material life. So we can create a pious situation or we can create an impious situation. And based on that, we take birth as uh, Bhagavatam says, Janma, Janma Aishwarya Shruta Sri. So whatever Janma, whatever education, whatever wealth, Janma Aishwarya Shruta Sri, the beauty we get, it just depends on what we have done in our previous life. And here Indra we find that out of anger he, he just beheads the Brahmana and Guru Maharaj uh, commenting on this particular section he, he refers to Bhagavad Gita 16.21 which talks about Trividham Naraka Sedham Dwaram Nashanam Atmanaha there are three gates leading to the hell, lust, anger and grief. Every sane man should give up these, for they lead to the degradation of the soul. So therefore, out of anger, he has beheaded the Brahmana. Had he waited for a moment of patience, this is a saying, a moment of patience in a moment of anger, saves you a hundred moments of regret. A moment of patience in a moment of anger 
saves you 100 moments of regret. So therefore, for every cause, there are, for anything we have, we are experiencing, there is a cause. What we have done in our previous lives, whether pious or impious activity, we need to bear the consequences in this life and in subsequent lives. And that's what we see Indra. He had to pay a price and equally uh, we have to pay a price for whatever we are doing. And in order to get relief, he prays to the Lord for recovering back his kingdom. And I think if I'm not mistaken, maybe both of this will remind me the verse where Lord Vishnu says, I feel sorry that uh, you are praying once again for a material comfort instead of uh, asking for pure bhakti. So then we have a choice. Should we ask the Lord for uh, any piety and impiety of this world or should we pray for a pure bhakti where we can perform devotional service to the Lord? Because whether it is pious or impious, both are binding. So maybe someone is pious in the previous life, therefore in this life you are born in a particular family, maybe in a Brahmana family in a situation. But even being in mode of goodness in a Brahmanical family, that is also binding. We see in the example of, I think, uh, Yudhishthira Maharaj, wherein uh, when Krishna tells him that uh, you say that Ashwadhamma Hato, yeah, that Ashwadhamma has died, uh, but Yudhishthira Maharaj refuses to say that because he felt that he can't tell a lie because a Brahmana should not tell a lie. He was trying to display as a Brahminical quality and said he can't tell a lie. But Bhakti is beyond that uh, so-called good and bad and unless one rises to the platform of Bhakti, uh, one will not be able to break the shackles of this material world. And in impiety, in extreme situation, if somebody is in utter poverty or has got uh, other emotional or physical intellectual limitations because of the impiousness he had behaved in the previous life, then he too cannot do in the he cannot do anything. That's also binding for him, and he cannot rise to a platform of transcendence. And here I think if uh, I can give you an extreme situation example, uh, there is one uh, business house in Hyderabad called Pullaridi. Pullaridi uh, is very well known for uh, sweets uh, made with pure ghee. But we are uh, referring to that particular uh, business house for another reason that they are, that's a business house which has given the land to Hare Krishna to Radha Madan Mohan temple in Hyderabad. And Radha, uh, Radha Madan Mohan temple in Hyderabad is located on the prime land of Hyderabad, like this temple, or Melbourne Mahaprabhu temple is in the prime land of Melbourne. So similarly, that temple is on the prime land of Hyderabad, which is very, very expensive. But yet, he had, uh, I believe, was told that uh, he, had, he had or he has now also three sons. And all three sons are trisomic. In the meaning, all three sons 
or uh, idiots. So what karma or what is that the person has done in his previous life that the children are born uh, with trisomy or they are idiots and they are idiots to the extent that uh, they would fight with each other and injure each other to that extent on a regular basis. So just to control them, uh, they are always bound with chains. 24 hours they are bound in chains. 24 hours during the daytime when they are awake, they are bound with chains. And it's only at the eating time somebody comes and then gives them food. And then uh, still they are bound with chains and they go to sleep. So you can see that such a person, how can they perform any transcendental activity? So someone who is born with a piety, lot of wealth, also do not perform transcendental activity, exceptions being different. Equally, someone who is born with great impiousness also cannot perform any transcendental activity. And therefore, we find both piety and impiety, they are the source of binding uh, in this world. And we have the famous example from in Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, King Briga. King Briga, he tries to perform uh, so much of pious activity, giving uh, charity, thousands and thousands of cows, whatever the Brahmanas wanted, he would give them. But in that act, he come unknowingly, unintentionally, he commits a mistake. And the result of that was he becomes a lizard uh, in his next life. Because Krishna comes fortunately for him and releases him from the uh, curse. But what he tries to tell is that whether it is piety or impiousness, both are binding and one should rise above that platform. So therefore here in this verse uh, 10, we find that the still uh, the father is trying to invoke a powerful uh, demon so that the powerful demon uh, could kill uh, Indra. But in the process of chanting the mantra, he chants incorrectly with an incorrect intonation, laying the focus on one part of the, uh, the compound world, which they say that uh, Indra Shatru, in that instead of making the focus on Shatru, he makes the focus on Indra and therefore instead of making the, uh, the demon as powerful to kill Indra, Indra becomes powerful in turn to kill the demon. So there we have uh, the, there is um, what is called uh, how to chant the mantra, there are two schools of thought. One is called Varnavat and the second one is called uh, Sputavat. Has anyone heard this term? I think probably you must have heard it. Varnavat and Sputavat. Varnavat, Varna means letters. Vat means the school. So Varnavat means that that school of thought where their emphasis is on the letters, which means that the power of mantra is in the letters. And hence we find that people who can uh, recite these mantras very well, uh, then we think that, 
oh, this person is uh, highly advanced in Krishna consciousness. And this is how I used to feel as a child. Uh, many uh, Brahmanas would come to our place. My father used to give them charity. And these Brahmanas, especially uh, coming from a place called West Godavari in Andhra Pradesh, uh, they, they had uh, that ability to chant or recite mantras uh, with proper intonation. And to hear, it used to be uh, wonderful. They would chant for half an hour, 45 minutes, one hour, depending on our time convenience. And then whatever little we give them, uh, they would happily take and go away. So we, I used to think, oh, look at this Brahmana. They chant so well, so nicely. And maybe one day I should also chant some. As a child, these were the thoughts uh, in my mind. So I used to think that they are highly advanced. So in this one hour, it is not that you should know the meaning of the what they are reciting. They mechanically recite, but they recite with a proper intonation. And because they are chanting the proper intonation or the, with the proper pronunciation, proper accent, then the um, mantra can invoke the power, both to the reciter and even the to whom it is addressed, like for devatas, when it is addressed these mantras, the devatas are subordinate to the mantra and whether you are performing a dharmic activity or a dharmic activity, it doesn't matter. When you are reciting the mantra properly, then uh, that devata is invoked and devata is forced to give you uh, the blessings. So this is called Varnava. As an example, uh, you can take, <coughs> I think Chaitanya Charandas uh, says that you use an equation called E equal to mc square. I may not know the meaning of what E is for MC square, but so long as I substitute the value for E, M and C, I get the result. So something similar to that, here we find that the person does not know the meaning, but he can pronounce properly and by the proper pronunciation, he can invoke the power of the mantra. So therefore, from there, that this pool of thought, it is said that the Recitation of the Vedic mantra, especially the Chaturveda, uh, if you can do it properly, then you become powerful uh, because you can invoke the uh, devas. But then there is uh, other theory called Sportava. Sporta, it means explosion. So this school of thought. Uh, says that it is not just in the uh, letters it is having the uh, meaning, but it is the understanding of the meaning of those words uh, which makes uh, the, invokes the uh, power in that uh, recitation. Say for example, uh, someone cuts a joke. The words I can hear but if I do not understand what the joke is, I'll never be able to invoke the, the meaning of the joke and therefore there's no impact on my consciousness. So sometimes we say that here is a tube light. The tube light is uh, not the current from the old conventional tube light. It would take a couple of minutes before it uh, lights up. Especially in India, 
there is a voltage drop from 220 or 240 to 170 180 and it keeps flickering flickering for a long time uh, suddenly it lights up so similarly if somebody cuts a joke and we do not understand immediately but we understand much later and that time we explored into uh, laughter so therefore this is called uh, sport award in telugu we call it sputing chutta or sport award so that means that the varnavar says that the power of the mantra is in the letters or in the words you are reciting properly in an intonation whereas the sport award uh, says that it is in the way in which uh, you can understand if you are not able to understand that meaning or the word then it does not make an impression or it does not make an impact on the consciousness and therefore you are not able to invoke the power of the mantra and in this context we find uh, there was a swami ji who comes to shila prabhupad and then uh, prabhupad disciples i think govindam adipurusham they were reciting and that uh, sanskrit scholar so called scholar he said the devotees your disciples are not able to pronounce uh, it in the sanskrit properly then prabhupada said that it does not matter it's not very important they understand what the meaning is and they have applied that in their life and therefore there's an impact in their consciousness and that's what is important so therefore uh, in the chaturveda when you are reciting that recitation is important in the mantra but in puranas it is not the uh, is simply the recitation reciting the verses is good if you can recite the verses proper intonation or uh, with proper accent pronunciation is wonderful but the emphasis in purana uh, or krishna katha is about understanding the katha and then making a change in your consciousness the way you behave the way you act and how you lead your life and that's important so therefore maitreya muni says to vidura when he asks this question he says yatasmriti yatamadihi that i have heard a lot but as i understood and as i remember i am speaking so what is that i have understood and to what extent i remember i am speaking so this is what is uh, krishna katha and this makes an impact on the uh, audience so therefore Uh, we find the Shrimad Bhagavatam 1.4.13. If I can take this out, one point. Yeah, here it says we the uh, the sages in Naimisharanya addressing Sutta Goswami. They say we know that you are expert in the meaning of all subjects except some portions of the Vedas. and thus you can clearly explain the answers to all the questions we have just put to you so in this context the prophet uh, talks about the difference between the vedas and puranas is like that between the brahmanas and parivrajakacharyas so therefore he said that the brahmanas are meant for ritualistic purposes where a parivrajakacharya is going out preaching and bring about a change in their consciousness so that's the difference between a vedic recitation uh, to a that is a mantra recitation to uh, the krishna katha being narrated so they were finally kalpa in that purport of other verse in the purport he says 
realization is more important than parrot like chanting because Sutta Goswami was not born in a Brahminical family and therefore he may have some difficulty in reciting the verses properly as the Brahmanas do, but that doesn't matter. What is important is that he has realized the purport of the uh, literature and that purport through his realization he is able to speak to the sages in Naimishamanya. I find that uh, there is an ashram for Chinatiya Swamiji in Hyderabad, on the outskirts of Hyderabad. Last time, my, I think three years before, yeah, three years back before the COVID started, I was in his ashram. And Chinatiya Swamiji is from the school of Sri Santadaya, we call it the Northern Branch, that is Tirupati Branch. And he's got a huge ashram, about 100 acres of land, and then recently inaugurated some 200 feet uh, Sri Padramanacharya's uh, statue, huge statue. One can see from a long distance. Beautiful ashram. And there, he runs a gurukula, and in that gurukula, children are made to recite the mantras. And I'm not sure why he made them, we did not have time to ask them, but the children are given a book and in that book, I think it's about 400 pages or 500 pages, for four years continuously they are made to recite only those, uh, those 500, 400, 500 page book. So that you ask a child, you give the, uh, you start the page in uh, a particular verse, from there he can continuously recite the subsequent verses. So any part of the book you just tell them the starting line and they can recite the subsequent verses. To that extent they make the perfection. But I am not sure why Chinajaya Swamiji coming from uh, a bhakti school is making the children recite the mantras that way. So therefore we have seen uh, the meaning can also become an, uh, it can alter. For example, there is a British scholar in Sanskrit who translated Ramayana uh, into English. It was considered to be a fairly good translation and in his translation, he gives a title for one of the chapter as Rape of Sita. And that was, the book was released after it finishes privacy uh, what it called? It, it, it became a public domain. That book was available on website, and the uh, scholars they looked at. They said, "How is it possible that this author uh, calls a, a chapter as a rape of Sita?" And then the uh, English scholars went into the background because it was hundred years back that he translated. Then they found that the uh, the me the rape has meaning, has many meanings, and one of the meanings is physical abduction. It is not the meaning which we understand in today's context, but it's a meaning with which he had in those days, and in that <coughs> he had mentioned it. So therefore, it, it actually means that Ravana has kidnapped Sita. But our understanding today is uh, totally different. So therefore, what it means is that we need to understand the context in which it is spoken and therefore only then the power can be invoked. So we have the Varnava where the power is in the letters or in the words and then we have uh, the uh, Spotava 
where we understand the meaning and that gives the impact on the consciousness. Now chanting of Hare Krishna mantra, where does it fit in? Is it the uh, Varnavar or the Sportavar? So Rupa Goswami gives a wonderful uh, discussion, of course I do not have enough time to go through all that, but then uh, he summarizes that the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, yes it combines both, but much more than that is because Krishna is omnipresent. And because of his omnipresence, he uh, infuses the Maha Mantra with the power. And therefore, it is neither Varnavar nor Spotavar, but it's the mercy of the Lord who has invested his energy in the Hare Krishna Mantra. And therefore, we should all chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Although when we chant, it's important that the intention is important with which we are chanting, but equally it's also that in some language backgrounds, I believe, they do not have the word called, letter called Ra. So therefore, uh, they do not chant Hare Krishna, they say Hale Krishna, Hale Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hale Hale, Hale Lama, Hale Lama, Lama Lama, Hale Hale. So, is it a proper chanting? There it is said that intention is important. So therefore the Bhavagrahi, so even though that chanting is Hale Krishna, Hale Krishna, in the beginning it doesn't matter because Krishna understands their bhav and accepts it. But as time proceeds, the intention should be backed with the sincerity of trying to change and understand the proper pronunciation and therefore that Hare Krishna should become Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Yeah, much more discussion can be carried on uh, this part of uh, the mantra recitation, but I think we better stop at this time so that I can take any questions or comment. So summarizing today's session, we find that the whatever we have in this life is based on the pious and impious activities we performed in our previous life as Janma Shruta, uh, Janma Ishwara Shruta Sri. So with the family in which we are born, the beauty, the wealth and the education, it all depends on based on our pious and impious activities of previous life. So therefore, one should transcend beyond the pious and impious uh, activities of life uh, by chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. So we have the two schools of thought, Varnavad and Sportavad. So one talks about the power of mantra being in the words and the other talks about the power being in the understanding of those words. But chanting of Hare Krishna mantra is uh, in one sense combining both but beyond that is because it's Lord Krishna of his omnipresence he has invested his energy in the mantra and therefore one should chant uh, properly the Hare Krishna mantra 
and hear. So when you hear, you are showing your attention and in the process you make your consciousness clear. So there, one Prabhupada said that one need not understand the meaning of Hare Krishna Mahamantra. As we, when Harinam party goes on the road, people just dance with ecstasy, although they do not understand the meaning. As Prabhupada says, it is beyond bodily, mentally, intellectual comprehension. But having said that, if one can understand the mantra, then the sincerity with which, the bhava with which one can chant improves dramatically and therefore the mind remains focused uh, or it can hear attentively the Hare Krishna Mahaprabhu. With this, I stop our discussion. Any question or any comment? Yes, Prabhu. Uh, I wanted to ask that if, uh, if Tashta has done the wrong pronunciation, sorry, sorry. if Tashta has done the wrong pronunciation and in fact become powerful, so then how can, uh, then how, how did the demon come out? Like, because no, the mantra can invoke the, uh, because it is Indra Shatru. Shatru comes, but the Shatru comes with a lesser power. Indra, both words are there. Indra is there, Shatru is there. So Shatru is the enemy. So therefore you are invoking the enemy. The enemy comes up. But along with the, but that enemy does not have the power to kill Indra. Okay. Yes, Prabhu. Um, what did Kasta do after he was with Rasarada? So then, what did he actually do? Did he just leave the thing alone, or? Did so he then, what did? Um, do um, after Vritrasara also died. What did Tvasta do after Rutrasara uh, died? Uh, that part I, I don't remember. I'm not. I don't remember now. Anyone remembers what happened to Tvasta? No, I'm not. I was. No, I don't remember now. This is long back. Sorry. Maybe I'll read and then tell you what it is. Thank you. Yeah. Any other? Yeah, problem? I was told this story of Prabhupada in LA um, they were doing a recording from the devotees and one of the devotees was pronouncing Rama as like Ramo and Prabhupada stopped him and chastised him. It's not it's not Ramo, it's Ramo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what do you think about that? That's true, that uh to start with somebody, as we said, took the example, Ale Krishna, Ale Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Ale Ale. Because in their language, that word Ra is not, the letter Ra is not there, and therefore the person starts in the beginning with difficulty, Ale Ale. But then when the, uh, at that time, the bhav is taken by the Lord, he reciprocates, because he understands that this person is coming with a particular limitation or a background, but he is making a call to him. But when the uh, bhav is there, the intention is there, the person will pick up, will understand what it is. And therefore, he make the correction from Hale to Hare. So similarly, uh, Ramo is not the proper way of uh, chanting and therefore Prabhupada stops himself from the correction. And then I think uh, Prabhupada also when he requests Mahamantra Kirtan to be done, he would call a person with the bhav rather than a person with the musical talent. 
if your musical talent it means that the person is trying to display his talent rather than the bhakti so what is important is bhakti rather than somebody's musical talent or musical sense because he is carried away within the mores itself so what we need is transcendence rather than uh, the music aspect of it yeah any question in common Gandhara Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Shri Lapa Upad ki jai.